Welcome to the Intriguing Beings podcast, Season 3, Episode 7, with Till Iberl. So you might have noticed there's been a little bit of a gap since my last episode, which I put out in April. Uh, life's been rather busy. Those who know me will know what's been going on. There's been quite a few personal changes and things like that. But I have been recording a few of these on my travels. This was recorded in a bar in Tarifa. So I'm going to preempt that the audio isn't the most amazing quality, but Till has some really interesting things to say about the industry. Till is the CEO of Boards and More, which is the company that owns Duotone and Ion and also Fanatic. Um, which is now merged into Duotone and so there is no more Fanatic windsurfing brand. They're still making SUP but there's been quite a lot of changes there. Obviously those of you that have been in the kite surfing industry for a while will know that Duotone merged out of the brand North which Boards and More used to license from the North group and Duotone has been the runaway success in our industry. You can't deny um, that they have been hugely successful, probably the brand that all others are chasing on the tails of. We have a really interesting chat about all things kite, surf, foil, the reasons why they've switched from Fanatic and merged it into Duotone and also some of the issues around becoming duotone back in the day when that happened as well till's a really interesting guy that's been around the industry for a really long time and he's got a lot of interesting things to say so i highly recommend you listen to this one as ever please give it a like and share with your friends give it a five star rating on the app store tell everyone you know about it it just helps me be encouraged to make a few more episodes i've really enjoyed having people come up to me on the beach more recently and say how much they've been enjoying these so keep that up and and I will keep recording these and putting them out there. Without any further chat from me, let's get into this episode. Today I'm sat in a bar in Tarifa with Tilly Burl, the CEO of Boards and More Group, which is one of the biggest, well, the biggest water sports company for kite surfing, windsurfing, and wing surfing now as well. Um, and I thought it'd be interesting to sit down, chat to Till, get a little bit of his background, but also talk about some of the things that have been happening. That's a big job you've got on your hands, Till. CEO of a company like that in very difficult times recently as well. How's it been? Yeah, I mean, it's first of all, it's a real cool job which I enjoy because, I mean, we develop toys for big boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bit big, like, yeah, my dream since uh, I studied. So, so far, I really like it. But of course, like the last four years, pretty much since COVID, or actually in our case, since we created our brand Newton, it was a pretty wild ride, like yeah. making a brand change, COVID hit, then um, everything looked normal again, and since the Ukraine crisis, kind of inflation and whatever, certain fears of people and threats, Yeah. but all in all, I mean, we developed quite well over the last four years. So obviously the Duotone change was a massive undertaking, and that was pre-COVID, but a huge effort from everybody at the company, I'd imagine. So a lot of hard work went into that. Do you yeah. feel it was a pretty successful launch now, looking back on it? Absolutely. Yeah. And like, it's much better than we ever expected. Um, like, in the first year, already we are 20% higher in sales than under the old brand. Yeah. And, um, yeah, over all the times, like, Teuton developed in a positive way. And this actually, yeah, brings us to, <laughs> I guess, the reason why we're sitting here. Yeah. That um, we almost have a luxury problem, you know, like with Fanatic, we have a really strong 
brand which has a huge history yeah, in surfing. 40 odd years Fanatic has yeah, been around exactly. for, right? Exactly. It's a really, really long time. So, which is, yeah, always been one of the big players in windsurfing. And uh, one, one leg of Fanatic kind of ended up in wing falling when we created this sport new. And, but all of a sudden, Uton is even the more powerful brand, so we have like a little bit younger, fresher, and through kiting, we have more tools. So kind of certain stuff we said, man, it doesn't really make sense to operate two brands, which in the end have a quite similar positioning. Yeah. But just Uton is a little bit stronger, more powerful. And so this was coming as to the point that we were thinking about, does it make sense to bring everything under one brand? And especially, for example, if you look to hydrofoils, in fact, you can't really segment it anymore because uh, if you develop a hydrofoil system, it works for windsurfing, it works for kiting, and it works at the same time for wing foiling or for prone foiling yeah. or downwind foiling. So pretty much it doesn't really make sense to... Yeah, you've almost got competing brands in the same space, right? Exactly, exactly. You've got so guys designing Fanatic foils and guys designing Duratone foils and there's a big At the end, it was there. the same guys anyway, but um, we had to to put different logos on it. And this was actually kind of the starting point. We said, this doesn't make sense what we're doing here. Yeah. And and then kind of the same thing when we kind of started, yeah, with this, this R&D, with the boards, we had kind of same technology here and here, or as well, a little bit with the wing boards. Is it now a wing board? Is it SUP? Is it a kite board? Or is it kind of, we got this kind of overlapping elements, which didn't make sense anymore. Yeah. And this kind of was fast the trigger to explore the idea bringing Fanatic under Newton, kind of merging the brand into each other. So that's basically what we've done now for windsurfing. Yeah. And as well for wing foiling. So wing foiling. So as of this, well, this podcast will go out end of August, which is when this news will be announced. Um, so effectively, Fanatic as a brand is no more and it's just going to be duotone. Yeah, that's not true. Um, we keep, we continue with Fanatic in standard paddleboarding. Okay. Because especially in the Dach market, Fanatic SUP is one of the major players. Yeah. And they, that's a mid to premium price segment. But at the same time, also we like it because almost the um, SUP market is going so mainstream. Yeah. That in a certain stage, we are thinking, well, it almost hurts the image of Fanatic because yeah. if, like, let's say, I don't know, like really recognition of people to be friendly. Yeah. And if you use the product, it doesn't really go in line with a hardcore wave rider, young yeah. gun. So kind of you're always stretching the brand a little bit, and so that's the reason we decided, okay, we want to keep Fanatic um, for SUP, yeah. which in our case is really more a commercial yeah. project. And on the other side, we have, let's say, Duton, a set performance brand for innovation, competition, uh, but also all the radical, really core sports, yeah. which are roots in. And how's that happening internally? Because are you doubling up on designers amongst the team? Are you slimming down the team internally? What's the changes happening there? No, actually the change was quite not as a, it, it was a big challenge, especially internally, because uh, like, for example, Craig Gartenbach, he was like for 20 years a yep. face and the main engine behind Fnatic. Of course, for him, it was a harsh one, but um, at the same time, also a good opportunity because what we have done now, we really structure the companies in three divisions. So yep. we have a, kitesurfing division, we have a wingfall division and we have a windsurf division. Yeah. Um, and in all this, for example, in windsurfing, you had two brands with two different teams just for windsurfing. Didn't really make sense either. Yeah. So also it helped to become efficient in one way. But at the same time, we invested also like it's called cross matrix function, like that we have a design team working across all divisions. We created a brand marketing, taking care about the academy app, 
yeah. and so on. Also, we have one position, sustainability. So we hired one guy just to taking care about sustainability, like making our products a little bit, reducing our impact across all the brands. And also, we invested really heavily in our R&D lab. Yeah. Which kind of, yeah, where we test all kind of fabrics and new materials and testing the foils. And that's really nice because now on all one brand, all the people can be more part of a team. Yeah. And before having like this brand focus, if any guy didn't really talk to the Duton guy and the Windsor yeah, or not to the other one. So pretty much like I would say the total team is more now, or the total Duton kind of merged a bit the team. Yeah. Which hopefully benefits better products at the end. Yeah. And you still got the split between the disciplines, right? Yeah, so, right. So, so pretty still, much you're on the windsurfing team, you're on the wing team, you're on the kite team. And the, so I have this well. one, but at the same time, I have uh, other teams which are going across yeah. everything. Okay. And that's the beauty. You know, so there's the one guy saying, okay, he knows what the kite guy is doing and brings it to the windsurf guy. Then we talk about sustainability or if you talk about the lab, yeah. so there's two persons in the lab and they test everything for windsurfing, kitesurfing, wing falling. They have a huge, huge know-how. So all of a sudden I have like, yeah, I have a vertical team and horizontal teams and it's this way I make sure that we really stay one brand and getting all the synergies out of the company. Yeah, it seems like a really positive move. It makes sense to me. I you. hope so, yeah. I mean, I mean, from a personal level, having been a windsurfer for 40 odd years ago when I was seven, I know the Fanatic brand really well. So when I heard it, I was like, oh, that, that's a shame. But then when you look at the foiling, that's probably the key one. Like you said, it was the trigger. It just doesn't really make any sense. And you, you know, do you buy a Fanatic foil? Do you buy a Duotone foil? It's, you know, it just seems Yeah, and also the world that. has changed a bit, you know, like in windsurfing was classically of a sail brand and you have a board brand and so they're kind of in a way disconnected. But if yeah. you see how the total industry involved, it's almost couples, you know, like it was Fanatic Duotone, it was yeah. JP Bright traditionally or Severn Starboard. Yeah. And, but then if you look to windsurfing, for example, especially the younger brands like Quattro Goya got quite successful. Yeah, just as a one overall maybe one sales overall brand. And whole lot. Kiting and winging anyway, it was like one brand like F1. Or, yeah. So in a way, it's almost a more logical move. Yeah. Because in reality, you see a high correlation between people riding a fanatic board with a Duton sale by not bringing everything into one brand and makes it a little bit easier, simpler. Yeah. And there's another element. If you especially look to windsurfing, it means the stuff is so outdeveloped. So it's a huge influence. I mean, if you want to have the best performance, almost it makes sense that you take a sale which is developed on this board or a specific this board in combination. Um, because then you get really the best out of it. I mean, we really realize if we try competition as a board some competitors and put a sale from us on it, sometimes it works great. Yeah. And sometimes the sale is too lifty or it has too much pull down. And so even like from this regard, I think it kind of goes in a way. Yeah. Since the stuff is really well fitted to each other, it's not a must have, but that's the way you get best, best out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially like you mentioned wing foil in there and you do get certain brands that are making the wings, the boards, the foils, the whole lot. And it just, you know, if someone's going to a shop and they're sold on a duotone wing, there's a good chance they're going to want the duotone board and maybe they don't realize the marriage between Fanatic and duotone because they're new to water sports and then they're not aware of that. So having it all under one umbrella. Exactly. So that's just one thing. And then if you look to wing foilings, there's hopefully a lot of new customers coming to the sport, but it's the same on the squider. Some people from windsurfing say no Fanatic. All the guys coming from kiting for some Fanatic is almost not existing. Yeah. So at the end, like if you take this groups where kind of people kind of get merged into wing foiling, 
Yeah. Makes you realize Kyoton is, is, is a stronger brand. Yeah. Because in Kiting, yeah, and Kyoton is clear number one in Kiting. Yeah. That's really so exciting. Been over. And you've mentioned a couple of times there sustainability. I know that's a big push for you guys. And we've, um, you know, talked a little bit about, about Concept Blue, which mm -hmm. is your sort of new drive. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what Concept Blue is and why you're kind of focusing on that? Yeah, I mean, we work, in, in fact, we worked since, I don't know, two, so, it's five or six years. We, we looked into sustainability and we did a lot of like, projects, what we call Save Our Playgrounds. It's our main project, yeah. but this was more based about packing beach cleanups, uh, CO2 offset. Yeah. Uh, already 80% of our products, all main products are CO2 offsetted. Um, but we so far struggled always to get really working with uh, recycled materials in a proper way. But let's say through all the developments over the last years, more and more stuff coming to the market. Yeah. And um, then two years ago, we said, okay, let's, uh, we, must, we must go one step further. But it's actually not so easy because our industry is, the producers are not <coughs> used to it. So it's yeah. way harder for us than in, the, in apparel collections, for example. So you have a total industry already on the mission. And then we decided, okay, look, we, we do our best effort to reduce, let's say, the impact of our products as good as possible. Yeah. But we are totally aware it will be never perfect or not at the moment. And it's really hard to measure for us because somehow the industry is not prepared for it. Yeah. So we have to start somewhere. And then we said, said the reason, okay, let's let's do effort. We, we try in a few products the best what we can do. Yeah. See if the people accept it. And also because the target is that there should be no compromise on performance and no compromise in quality. Yeah. Theoretically, it should be also not more expensive to the end consumer. So that's kind of our idea. But at the same time, maybe it has a different optic because the materials are slightly different. Um, a bit of a different feel to yeah. it. And that's the reason why we want to explore it. And one side, we really want to show on a concept blue, like the, the leading edge in terms of what you can do in our industry. That's, that's our goal. Yeah. Not sure if we will achieve it. At the same time, also, we want to explore a little bit how far we can go with the yeah. end consumer, what he accepts or not, because they can make a super nice recycled product or organic product, whatever. But then when the consumer decides, no, he doesn't like it that way. Yeah. Makes it difficult, right? It's a problem. And um, we launch now and in the first round, we uh, launch two twin tips, which are really good. It's a select, so select SLA, which is a main yeah. seller of us. Both boards are produced with flax. Yeah. Um, so and that's the flax fiber, right? Which flax. is a grown. Uh, exactly. It's yeah, coming it's like out plant of France. Plant-based, plant -based, basically yeah. replacing car, um, basically yes. glass fiber, but with a plant-based fibers woven like, together like, to exactly. make that material. Because then you have like already a positive CO2, because like when the flax kind of grows, it absorbs CO2. So you start kind of in a, is a CO2 positive approach with some materials, not with all. Of course, there's a certified wood course inside. Yeah. And uh, partly recycled top sheets and so on. So pretty much we bring it yeah. to the best possible limit, what we can do at the moment. On the other side, we just come up with a new surfboard, which is produced with basalt, a mix between basalt, inegra and fiber. Yeah. It has a 20% recycled uh, EPS core. Yeah. It's also kind of new. And it's produced in Italy. So locally in Europe. Locally in Europe. So. 
this one, for example, is a pretty different optic. Instead of being white and kind of looking like a surfboard, it's more yeah, like it's brown, black, right? it looks black right. brown kind of. And that's kind of what I said, you know, if you see if the consumer kind of like it, because yeah, it's a different optic. Yeah. And, and in February, March, also we want to do two kites, which, but I can't tell you now, not exactly what we want to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there comes a total lineup and this also we want to extend to ring falling. Okay. And yes, so we start. So it's a good place to start, and it's almost like you said, right? You've got to do something. Got to exactly. Start it's, a, it's a journey, step by step by step. For example, also on the new kite bar, we have a Bloom EVA, which is kind of Augs. Yeah. And that's come from algae, right? The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is quite interesting. Um, it's a small thing. That's the reason why we call the bar Blue Concept. Yeah. And at the end, like if you have something and it works commercially really good, then we also maybe in certain stages it will be no Concept Blue anymore, it's just like in the normal line. So it's yeah, that's what we try. Perfect. It's quite exciting times as well. I've seen the, both the boards, and it's interesting how different they do look because the flax fibers obviously on the Soleil and the Selects have got that kind of brown look to them, which, like you say, can be polarizing for some customers whether they like that. But then, you know, if they're interested in sustainability, there's always a price to pay, right? But then yeah. the other thing, talking about a price to pay. Um, you're keeping the prices the same for the products, right? Exactly. So it's not going to be more expensive. And I know it's more expensive to produce things sustainably. So that it must is. be you guys having a hit yeah, on that, we, right? Yeah, we normally we would have we would have to increase the prices by five to ten percent. But it's a in this difficult, let's say, environment economically wise, we say can we hit already a certain price point with everything? Yeah. So for next year, we definitely want to keep it in, in euro pricing, kind of. Yeah as stable as possible and my personal feeling with sustainability is just like for me as self a consumer man i really want to be a good citizen yeah but i'm still want to have fun yeah and i realized yeah for if a product has the same performance and i like the looks of it i'm ready to buy it sustainable but if it's not the case then yeah yeah maybe i don't do it you know because i'm not yeah yeah, it's a it's a tough sport. So to I think be. it's a nice added value when you can bring it in. And that's the reason that sustainability not necessarily should be more expensive. Yeah. So that's we try to say, hey, we do it and hopes this, this helps us a little bit in terms of brand image and everything. And also we we, we want to show our responsibility not only doing crazy stuff like the steel lab. Yeah. Where some some people say we're becoming too posh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also want to see that all our energy. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. Both directions. It's difficult to find the balance, isn't it, with the sustainable angle because it's really important. But our sport inherently, although we use the wind, you know, the products that we use, driving to the beach, flying to places, and Absolutely. things like that, you know, we've all got a bit of a carbon footprint. So it's a tough no. one to yeah, kind of. That's the reason I also want, almost we shouldn't use the word sustainable. In reality, we, we try to reduce our yeah. negative footprint as good as we can, but we are totally aware that it's far away from. Yeah being perfect or... But it's interesting how the new materials that are available have allowed you to do what you're doing at the moment. So who knows what the future holds, right? Because that's, that's people a, are still working on... That's a total the point. Whole time I mean, there is all kind of big industries are fully on this topic. So that's the reason it was an end concept. So I, I know four years ago we couldn't do it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden materials showed up there. We say, okay, funny, yes, this could work. Yeah. So it's a, a permanent try and error and lab testing to see if we get it. And also the price is a topic as well, of course. If the material is way too expensive. Yeah. Then it's almost impossible to implement. I'm pretty sure nobody would buy a flux twin tip when it's 50% more expensive. It won't work. 
Yeah, so that's the reason. So now we said, okay, it's a little bit of margin contribution. It's fine. Um, it's a main seller, not just like a one standoff like product which we don't sell commercially. I mean, that's what you have seen a lot in the in the past. That companies did something to show what is possible, but then they only made fifty or hundred because yeah. it was. And I think that's yeah. Maybe it's not really also kind of greenwashing you could <laughs> call it <laughs> well, there's a lot of greenwashing that goes on in this industry no. and others so and for sure some people will also call us greenwashing i'm pretty sure about this one because some people are quite let's idealistic about it but my personal opinion is better doing small something. steps yeah and it's better to, it's better to do something than nothing right yeah, you exactly, could have easily exactly. not made twin tips using you know flax fiber and you could have not done the bass out in the surfboard yeah. and you know, recycled EPS core, it's only, you know, a small percentage of the core, but it's it's better than exactly. nothing, right? It's, you've got to start somewhere and as those Absolutely. materials develop, it's, 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 it's and maybe, maybe looking in 10 years back, if you did like, I don't know, 20 small steps, maybe you can really improve 50%. Yeah, which would be really positive. So that's also the reason and, um, why we still, I'm a, we still do CO2 offset. Yeah. Or carbon offset. I know it's really, it's a moment has a bad reputation. And feel it. A lot of people say, "Yeah, you just buy yourself free." Yeah. But I see that, and I know that there are some of the big agencies which kind of certify you do tricky things, which is a shame, I have to say. But uh, let's say, from our perspective, we do the best what we can do at the moment. But I know it's a pretty small percentage what we really save on CO2, and that's the reason. Again, it's better to support somebody planting trees or building hydropower plants and so on and so on instead of doing nothing yeah and it's not i think the bad rep around co2 compensation comes from certain companies being a bit bad about it but if you if you choose a reputable company that's actually doing it rather than just paying someone and not thinking about it and not doing the due diligence then that's kind of where the bad rep comes from i think it's still got its place exactly man also sarah i can't give a guarantee we tried to took a proper german one but yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's difficult <laughs> and with the um, the surfboards being made in Sardinia right do you see yeah. that being a bit of a shift that production is going to come back to Europe because you know everything gets made over in Asia it then gets shipped all around the world um, I know that in Asia they're exceedingly skilled and the factories are very efficient and they're really good at doing what they do but do you think there's a shift for manufacturing coming back to the EU <sighs> there was a big trend like in COVID time it was called new Everybody was talking about nearshoring, and it, it would make sense, but in reality, it's not so easy, I have to say. Yeah. Like, uh, Sardinia said, it's a test. So, it's, they offered uh, prices which are reasonable. We, we drop a little bit of margin, and they also got uh, government support from Italy. That's the reason why I think they can be competitive. Yeah. But without government support so far, I don't have seen yeah. much factories being able to be built be competitive with Asia I have to admit and also one thing like two years ago the shipment prices were really yeah, high it's crazy right like 20,000 to move a container yeah, and now exactly. it's back down to normal price yeah almost. not normal still double to three times more expensive but now it's more like whatever 4,000 I would say yeah um, but it's not 15 to 20 anymore you know yeah and that's also one reason why we were able to kind of maintain the price level but if you take this in consideration and then for a lot of products, for example, if you take a kite, most of the raw materials still come out of Asia. So if I will produce whatever, I don't know, in Italy or Portugal. Yeah, you still got to ship the materials. I still have to ship the materials. I even don't have the labor industry for it. Like there's not this kind of saw or stitches. So it's, it's, yeah. 
depending really on the product. If, if there's a surfboard, it's, it's an interesting test. We have to see if it's really is long term they can do it. But um, yeah, we tried this one model and see if everything runs smoothly. The guys are really passionate and hands on. Yeah. And the boards look amazing. From, from, like, so, so this they got, we're really happy. But I'm more scared if they really can make money with it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for anyone listening, if you get get to a Duotone dealer and check out the Vault, isn't it? It's the surfboard and it's, it's you, you'll, one, you'll spot it because it's black and, you know, brown, brown, well, brown, brown, brownish. <laughs> brownish. It looks more, it looks more black gray to me. I think okay. you're doing a disservice with the brown there too. I think you could just call it, you know, dark, dark black or something okay, like okay, that. Okay, okay. Well, and I think, I think it looks really good. You know, it looks really it smart. It looks different. Definitely. You know, it definitely yeah. looks different and, yeah. you know, striking. How does it handle the heat and the sun? Because one thing I thought with that dark color. So far, uh, we tried it. We had no problem. Yeah. Of course, Ben, if you would wax it and ride it with, with wax instead of foot pad, uh, you have trouble. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure because the wax gets heated up too much. But so far, we tried it in South Africa, which is quite intense. We had it in Maui. No issues. No issues so far. Okay, that's really good. And you mentioned pricing there. I know that, you know, Duotone have been hit a little bit recently um, by some of the public saying, oh, the kites have got really expensive and, you know, things are out of control and the D Lab is super expensive. But We've already talked just a little bit about some of the costs involved, and I think sometimes people don't realise just how expensive it is to produce products. Um, do you feel that you know, for you guys, you're trying to keep your prices as low as possible, but it's just the market that's you know pushed them up? Well, first of all, we have three technologies. We have kind of a that we call originals. That's kind of the standard technology, but most of our competitors are also using. Yeah, and Serbia price-wise. In the normal range, we're not really more expensive, I would say, since there's other A brands. And then we have SLS, which is about 20% more expensive, but it's also more expensive materials and a little bit more labor involved. And then we have D-Lab, and by the concept D-Lab is really that we said on D-Lab, we, we want to try crazy stuff yeah. without really kind of ban ourselves for cost efficiency. And if you take a D-Lab kite, of course, it's quite expensive, I fully agree. But the fabric, to, to just give you an example, is like six times more expensive. Wow. And that's the Alula so fabric. inflatable for the, one for the than a normal yeah. Dactron. So yeah. this is a huge cost factor. As like almost like five, six hundred euro go just to the fabric. And then it has a five, 50% longer manufacturing time because the fabric is quite stiff. You can't cut it in 30 layers. So there's a lot of work inside. And in reality, the calculated margin on a D-Lab is um, in percentage, shittier than on a normal kite. But yeah. of course, it, it's a really expensive kite. Interesting thing is the people complain a lot, but we sell the D-Labs quite well. <laughs> that was the next thing I was going to say. They've been selling really well, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 15, about 15 to 20% on, on normal kites. On, on the shoes, it's funny enough, 40%, because in Lightwind, definitely D-Lab has huge advantages. But as we can also see now with the Evo D-Lab, which was never planned, the more on structural stiffness in combination with the white thing, yeah, enables all the team riders to do shit that almost was before impossible, as you can see in Principe and Bailey yeah. being really successful in the Big Air Tour. So somehow it's a little bit the thing that, uh, yeah, people complaining on one side, on the other side, people buying it. Yeah. And, 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 we still, and then we still have a normal price on a normal basic price point. So, yeah. But nobody talks about this one anymore. No. <laughs> it's always the headline, isn't it? I guess. That yeah, I think it's a, bit, it's a bit, you know, almost like an image fashion thing that people don't want to have the slash cheap yeah. kite. 
and that's the reason when I had the situations where people were complaining, ah, fuck, you're so much more expensive than anybody else. I said, no, that's not true. Like, if you take the normal price point, we're really competitive. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I want to have an SLS and say, yeah. Well, there you go. You want to have the expensive materials, you've got to pay a little bit yeah, more exactly. for it, right? So, from this regard. But, I mean, also one thing I have to say, I personally believe our normal kites are also really good. And for people which are just, like, creational on the border, they don't need a SLS or a D-Lab to no. have fun. It's not that the message should be you have to have this to have fun. It's like, if you look for the ultimate performance, of course, a D-Lab makes sense. If you want to say ultimate race car, or yeah. you also have to spend money. But rationally, I think it, almost too much people going on the medium to high end class in, in our range. And yeah, and forgetting about the, the original the, range. Which exactly, which price value wise is maybe even a better sign for some. And you still develop the original kites as well each year, right? Yeah, yeah. So the new Neos. Yeah, every second year, right? Yeah, every second year. But the new Neos had a big development upgrade this year. It's not like you're buying a kite that hasn't been thought about or hasn't had attention put not into at it all. or hasn't been worked on. It's still going through the same design it's, it's processes. Even, it's a, so. even as like original kite has a slightly different briefing. Um, it's a bit more comfortable because the materials are more flexible, but for let's say an intermediate, yeah, it's a really good difference. Kite. Yeah, it's almost better. Yeah, because it has a little bit softer bar, a bit as more like, forgiving. Yeah, exactly. Or on the wing, if you take a wing, for example, original wing is not as aggressive as, as a dealer wing, so it makes it almost a more comfortable ride. Yeah, it doesn't have this explosive power like a SLS. So, yeah. But <laughs> and with the winging, that's obviously exploded recently. Did you see that as being something that would explode? I know you were one of the first brands to start producing wing gear. Was it always something that you thought would get big? Not in the first year. Yeah. Like we kind of, um, I mean, I, I tried the first wings like in 2017, I think, because Ken Winner, I think he's the father of the actual winging. Yeah. I mean, also, I also have to give credit to Tony Lagosch from Slingshot. But they didn't drive it further, and we were more or less the first brand bringing the, the first foil wing on the market. And then other brands followed really fast. Yeah, now at the beginning, I don't have seen it, but I'm almost blown away. If you see the performance level which the industry achieved in four years, it's incredible. And then, like in 2019, we were kind of falling along with not much performance, everything was quite sluggish and slow. And now you see guys jumping 10 yeah. meters high, doing forwards, backwards. So there's a huge, yeah, I think it's a totally new beast. Forward. Was it difficult to manage like the production of that? Because obviously there's a finite amount of materials that you have to book in advance. And so suddenly you're like having to work out where to get the materials from because it's suddenly exploded and it must be quite a headache to manage. Yeah, especially in, in 220, 221 is a really headache because um, through COVID kind of most companies reduced their pre-orders for material or their, their bookings. And then all of a sudden the market started again and then we had kiting and winging both catching up. And then you, when at least we had to decide, okay, put it in winging or kiting, or we try to do a kind of equal at the same time. Um, but nowadays, also have to say, like, if you look to our latest wing generation, now the materials are quite, I mean, kind of the same family, but yeah. different strengths because, for example, on the canopy, now we have the Mod 3, which is basically double as heavy as what we use in a kite because a wing just has to take bigger loads. Yeah. And also on the leading edges, we use different materials than on the kites. 
So it's, it's already separated. Yeah. So now it's under control. But at the beginning, it was complicated. Kind of crazy. And also, yeah, like the loads were different and some materials worked, some not and so on. And do you see the growth of the sport going in the right direction? I know a lot of people were kind of thinking that it was going to be like super huge, like windsurfing in the 80s. Everyone would suddenly have a board on the roof and everyone would get into it. And it feels like perhaps it's slowed a little bit. Is that something you're expecting or do you think it's progressing on the right kind of track? I personally be, so, my very goals, I don't know. I personally think it, I see in winging the same potential as in kiting. It, as it, as it think it still will be kind of a, a sport which is somewhere in the borderline between a niche sport and a mainstream sport because it's still kind of technically, you know, like windsurfing in the 80s. It was like, how you call it, I don't know the English name, in Germany we called it Stiesegeln. You were standing on a board and just cruising along. Yeah, was drifting around with a triangular sail. And yeah, exactly. And and the the winging is a little bit of a different beast, you know, like handling a hydrofoil. It's one step, definitely one step more challenging. But in a way, it's pretty accessible. As yeah. There's many spots where kiting doesn't work and winging works. Versus windsurfing, it's also smaller gear, easier to travel with. So it has a lot of advantages. Um, so that's the reason I believe it can, I see it more like in a size as kiting down yeah. the road. Um, also, I believe that wing falling is still growing. Like the amount of gear that is sold to end consumers and also the constant flow of new end consumers coming in. I think we're talking about a 10% growth rate in the sport. But in fact, now the in industry, including ourselves, it's a moment is a bit of, yeah, depressed because like from, from all this hype, yeah, we had like whatever 50% growth in one year, everybody kind of pushed a bit too hard and all of a sudden like 100 brands were on the market and so just as the market got massively oversupplied. Yeah. And that's like what I hear, the shops are still selling quite good winging. Unfortunately, they're stuck with some not so good products, which are not hot anymore because it's still a quite fast yeah. developing sport. Um, but if you look at the end, and then just talking to a few shops, I see how much turnover they do. I think it's still growing sport, and I think it will still grow for the next, whatever, 10 years. Yeah, still be growing along and yeah. getting bigger. And have you seen kite surfing and windsurfing take a drop because of wing foilings, you think, or? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So as, as a, as a, first, it started in windsurfing, so a lot of windsurfers were really attracted by winging, because in terms of feeling, how you handle the wing, it was similar, kind of, right? Similar to a windsurf sail. So at the beginning, I really have seen a drop, and I think it has a significant impact, to, especially to the free ride market. Yeah. Because you go earlier, you have smaller gear. It's not as heavy. drag. But also at the same time, you can jump in higher, you can do carf 360s or double carf 360s, up in text, and so on and so on. So in a way, it's also maybe a little different sensation. Yeah. So therefore, I think it's uh, quite a taking something out of wing for, uh, windsurfing, but I see a little as the same trend in kiting as well, especially depending on the spots. For example, I live in Munich, yeah, and I uh, do the sport a lot of on lakes, and there I have seen a lot of the height or fall kiters going out to winging because you don't need so much space for launching. Yeah. When the wind drops, you at least have a board where you can lie on the back, <laughs> and when the wind dies uh, and comes back, then you just you can get going again. Then again, and with the kite, if you have bad luck, you swim forever. Yeah, yeah. Come in, or, or you, you don't get your it off lines the up, and then you can't unpack uh, your exactly. lines in the water because it gets. On the other hand, if you try, for example, take Netherlands, which has a lot of beach breaks, I guess also like a bit like UK. Yeah, maybe winging is also complicated because you, even if it's only a one meter beach break. 
yeah, it's difficult with a flat to get out. sand, it's really hard to go out with the wing. So I think it depends really a bit on the spots. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's not so big in the Netherlands. Like yeah. kite surfing is still massive there. And yeah, exactly, really exactly. So it depends boarding. really a little bit to the places. Um, it's more suitable here or there. Um, but at the end, even doesn't matter really. I think as long as we can do something new, exciting. Yeah. Do you think there's anything else on the horizon, or have we reached peak water sports toys at the moment? <sighs> yeah, I don't see anything at the moment, but if you know it, yeah. please tell me <laughs> so that I can start the RD engine. <laughs> well, I think there's a downwind foiling kind of thing, but you've already got some boards coming yeah, out. Yeah, right. That, the right? answer so is um, yes, yes, downwind foiling, prone foiling. That's definitely trans. I mean, it's totally foiling world. There's downwind foiling, prone foiling, wake foiling, yeah. USA, Australia, where you have a boat culture. Dock starting. Uh, dock starting. So there's a lot stuff. of things coming. Um, yes, and it, again, it's, it comes with the culture, how technical it is, and so on and so on. But yes, there's little scenes coming. Yeah. For example, I know in USA, like wake falling is a pretty big it's thing. Huge, yeah. It's huge. It's I think. I know one of our competitors almost sells more <laughs> into wake fallings than into wing falling. Really? Yeah. So. But I suppose in the US there's a lot of boats, right? Yeah, right. And there's this big wakeboard boat scene. Yeah, the big wakeboard boat scene. And the trouble with the lake, if it's not mirror flat, it's not much fun for wakeboarding or water skiing. Yeah, and if uh, there's a bit of wind and a bit of chop, you can wake for it uh, and it's uh, no exactly. problem. Exactly. And the other thing is the guys, you know, they have those big boats. So Kick out a big wave. A foil is a rather small investment for some. Yeah, as well. yeah it's pennies. <laughs> it's pennies, you know, like one hour on the boat is like... Yeah, one hour's worth of fuel is probably the cost of the foil set up in its entirety. So, yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah but there's coming new trends here. Yeah, it's interesting to see. It's nice to see how much crossover there is between all the foiling sports. So, you know, once you're, if you're getting into wing, or if you're into kite foiling, it's quite easy to cross over to wing foiling. foiling. If you're into wing foiling, a lot of people I know are then getting into prone foiling in the surf and right. using their kit for that. And then, you know, you can go dock starting with the same kind of kit. So it's interesting that you've got all do. these options. Yeah, yeah lots cool. of things to do. I barely ride my mountain bike anymore. It's terrible. <laughs> wing foiling's definitely killed mountain biking for me. I think it's stolen, <laughs> stolen me away from that. Because now yeah. it's all the time. You can go on the water. You can go to the that, beach. Man, that's the amazing part. Huh? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, here on the meeting, we had a few days with slight ponente. It was glassy outside. And the guys actually see first all the kite foilers going around. But then it was happening with this... I don't know if you've seen it. This is down in boards with a little yep. bit bigger foil, with a 1500 high aspect foil, with a whatever seven, eight square meter vent. This you can literally go in eight, six, eight knots. Yeah, it's crazy. Which right? is really pushing, pushing the limits of down. I mean, we were standing on the beach. It was glassy. The fuck, the guy is flying. How is this possible? Yeah. It's really strange, isn't it? Yeah, so it's like it's quite an interesting shift in board designs for these long, narrow, thin, yeah. you know boards that are working for winging. I don't know if you saw the video of the guy wings, wing, uh, wind foiling with one. And yeah. It was one of those really old, long starboard, I think a 14 foot or something. It's a serenity, old race. I think. Uh, yeah, one, yeah, and they found one and stuck a foil in the bottom of it. And it yeah, looked, yeah, yeah, really no, no, I remember, I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah it looks, video. looked like really, no, really minute, crazy. It, but. it makes sense because originally our industry is all designed about planning. Yeah. But now we come to a wind limit or speed where it's almost like a hull which kind of pushes water away. Yeah. Um, which is long and glidey, but it's not about planning, kind of brings you to a higher ground speed, so it's easier to take off. Yeah, you just want something that's fast displacement, and then the hydrofoil yeah, exactly. can lift you up and get Man, you Yeah, and you see, the tri when I was in Australia six weeks ago, and they're really into it. I mean, they use the sports, of course, for 
downwinding originally, but then other guys use it for prone falling because it's way easier to catch yeah, away to get in early and and more time. So especially for the not experienced guys, and also as a light wind board for wing falling or for riding bigger swells with a smaller foil and just downwinding with a little 2.5 foil and 20 yeah. knots. So that's all kind of. It's exciting Trust times, isn't it? coming from There's left to right, these, up and all down. these different things. I saw some of the guys going out wing foiling with paddles attached to their wings and then riding up wings yeah, yeah, so and then deflate the wing and yeah. then paddle back. And yeah, Klaas and Heimer did it yesterday with, uh, with, with one of the French guys. They uh, jammed uh, like a paddle into the slick instead of a boom and yeah. going up. Crazy. With the wing and then they tried to downwind foil without a wing. That's the wing, <laughs> wing on the back. Yeah, it's also a trend, but happens in France quite a bit. Yeah, I think they're doing it quite a lot in France. Yeah. It doesn't seem to have taken off yet in the UK. And there's a few people have got downwind boards in and the UK now. And it brings downwinding actually a nice element because downwinding is quite a hassle. I mean, you know, you have to go drive 10k up, position your car, have a tire down. It's a big mission to do downwinding. Yeah. When I was hunting with a efficient with wing. small wing and a good foil, you can easily go three k's up and then down and down. Yeah, without having the logistics so, of a exactly. car or anything like that. And then you can do it again. And exactly again. how often you want to do it. <laughs> yeah, you keep going, which is good. Yeah. Um, are you still getting a bit of time on the water, Till? I know you're a keen, well, you were a very keen kite surfer. I know you're into winging now as well. Pulse, yeah. Do you spend lots of time on the water still, or are you still having yeah. to spend a bit of time uh, in I mean, the At the moment, unfortunately, I had a little bit injured shoulders. That's the reason you don't see me so much on the water, because my doctor told me, be uh, really careful, so I'm just gently kiting around and not yeah. winging. But yeah, actually, with winging, I spend quite a lot of time on the legs now. Um, but also still love my, my annual Mauritius trip for some proper waves. Yeah, we've not done one of those in a while, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I did, privately. <laughs> you have, have one eye all to yourself rather than yeah, inviting a yeah. hundred odd people to come and steal all your waves. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm still into it, so yeah. So yeah, I do. that's good. Really enjoy and, it. Um, so the, the announcement's happening end of August for the right. Fanatic thing. Um, good luck with that. I really exactly. hope it goes as well as the Duotone launch that you facilitated not so long ago, which was hugely successful. I think it, yeah, it I looks think good. So. And certainly looking at all the equipment here, it's yeah, you know, it's looking really, really good. So it's going to be exciting to see it on the market. We made a big off effort or two. Yeah, it's also become stronger in the hydrofoil area. Yeah, no, the hydrofoils are looking incredible, like really incredible. If you haven't if you haven't seen them and you're listening to this, check out the D Lab hydrofoils because they look unbelievable, like really, really smart. Um, so yeah, good luck with it, Till. Thanks for exciting. Thanks for the time. Thank you. That was great. So there we have it. I'm sure you'll agree. Till is a very interesting fellow and I really enjoyed catching up with him. I'm sorry that the audio quality wasn't my usual high standard, but sometimes you just have to roll with what you've got. We can't always find ourselves in a quiet spot to record these. Anyway, I've got a couple more in the lineup, which I'm going to get to editing when I get a chance. So keep your ears out and we'll get another episode out to you soon. Thanks ever so much for tuning in. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, pass it around with your friends. It makes a real difference to me and makes it all worthwhile. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to me, Rue Chater and the Intriguing Beings podcast.